Time now to catch up with our good friend, uh, Richard Zussman. Lots of going on in politics, uh, provincially, municipally, and federally as well. Thought I'd call, him, call upon him to get his thoughts on, on some of these issues. Joining me now uh, from Victoria is Richard. Hello, Richard. Hey, Jess. How are you? Um, happy um, Friday. Happy Friday. We're heading into a long weekend. Lots to talk about. Can we talk about this past week, first and foremost, when it comes to um, politics here in BC? Vaughn Palmer, the Vancouver Sun columnist, had an interesting column um, yesterday uh, talking about the fact that the first two weeks of this legislative session, the NDP have been scrambling uh, just to keep up with some of the basic uh, you know, needs of the legislature, the House. There's not been not much going on. They've had to adjourn early. Uh, on Thursday as well. What is going on over there? I think it's growing pains for Ravi Callon, the new House leader for the government. Uh, it was a job that Mike Farnworth held for a long time, uh, ever since uh, the NDP formed government back in 2017. Uh, and it's proving to be a tough job. I think uh, Callon is going to grow into it. He's also taken on the huge responsibility of being the housing minister. And uh, so the House duties uh, have caught him off guard a little bit, I think. There was uh, a few tricks played on both sides of the aisle. And uh, as you know, uh, there can sometimes be some procedural uh, rigmarole that goes on at the legislature. And one of the challenges here was ultimately by the end of day yesterday, uh, the House had run out of things to debate. And so they actually had to call it quits a few uh, hours early. I, I saw a few MLAs scrambling to get on an earlier flight or earlier ferry because their trip back to Metro Vancouver was happening earlier than they had expected. Uh, And the government also had to roll out two bills late on Thursday. Normally those bills get introduced Thursday in the morning. They had to introduce them in the afternoon in order to ensure there's actually something to debate next week uh, when the legislative session returns after the long weekend. So uh, the excuse from Calon was that this is a government that's being efficient Uh, They are getting legislation passed. They are doing their work. They are at the legislature to debate. Uh, And the D.C. Liberals are not interested to doing that because in all the new legislation, the Liberals only put one person up to actually speak uh, in opposition to it. So uh, it's a little bit of gamesmanship, uh, learning on the job for Ravi Kalon. Uh, and we'll see if the legislature can sort of right its way, because if there's no legislation to debate before that budget, uh, then there are going to be some serious challenges in terms of whether the legislature can even sit uh, to get to that budget day. So I'm sure they'll find some crafty ways around it, uh, but it did create some chaos uh, yesterday morning and into the afternoon. <laughs> it's, it, I could imagine it when, when you're running out of things to debate. That is your job. So hopefully things uh, turn around next week. Let's talk a little bit about... A report that came out earlier today, the Public Order Emergency Commission basically said that the government met the very high threshold for invoking the Emergencies Act. Uh, We've talked about uh, Mr. Trudeau and some have said that he probably should have chosen his words wisely, which he didn't probably inflame the situation, but they did blame protesters for for being unruly and unlawful. Uh, There was some blame for Ottawa police and how they handled things. They also (laughs) blamed the Ontario government for basically being AWOL for the whole thing, pretty much. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Pierre Polyev uh, met with the press. It was a very chippy affair, uh, I'm told, uh, in regards to his handling and his conversation during that uh, event. Um, Many have said that, look, um, he catered to what they wanted. In many cases, the Conservative MPs inflamed the situation by their commentary and rhetoric. Here's Mr. Polyev responding to some questions uh, from the press. What I said before, during and after the protest was that I condemn anyone who behaves badly, breaks laws, or blockades critical infrastructure while standing on the side 
of the hardworking people who have suffered so much under eight years of Justin Trudeau. Now, I'm told it was a chippy affair. Uh, where do you think we are in this broader conversation about vaccines and populism? Um, my sense sometimes is that those that hate Trudeau really hate Trudeau, but there's still a wide swath of this country that still remains skeptical of all of this, the protests, even uh, Mr. Polyev and conservatives. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and I think ultimately this exercise we just went through in Ottawa is not going to solve very much. If uh, the commission, the inquiry had come forward and said that Trudeau's use of the Emergencies Act was inappropriate, I think the prime minister may have been forced to resign. Now that this is behind him, uh, it allows for us to engage in another conversation. And as you rightly point out, shift this focus to what do the Conservatives stand for? Where are they at with this populism? Are they willing to flirt on the edges with these fringe groups in some regards that are you know, opposed to vaccine mandates, that continue to fight against all these health measures, the, the very few that still exist? Or is Paul ever going to start shifting away from what is often seen as uh, fringe right-wing politics and move towards the centre and hit on those issues that everyday British Columbians are worried about around how much food costs on the table and uh, that overall issue of cost of living. And uh, we will see what he decides to do. This may be, after a chippy affair, as you mentioned today in a press conference, this may be a bit of a chance for him to press a reset, try to distance himself in some regards from at least engaging on this conversation of the truckers' convoy, and focus on those more everyday centrist issues that will ultimately be his key to trying to pick up some seats. The Conservatives did really poorly in British Columbia in the last federal election. And if you want that success in this province and across the country, he needs to start speaking to those issues that matter to that working middle class, especially in suburban Metro Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know when, during his last visit here, he's vil- visiting, um, you know, temples and mosques and churches in, in Richmond and many other suburban ridings, and that's where he has to win. He has to win in Richmond. He has to win in Coquitlam. He has to yep. win in Surrey. Um, yep. And that's the difference between a minority government or not, uh, or sitting in opposition or being a majority. And it's the same thing in, 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 in provincial politics. The suburbs rule the roost, uh, and if you can win Toronto and win Vancouver, then you're going to be in government. And uh, I think he realizes that it's not going to happen debating these kinds of things. So let's see how all of this transpires. It's going to be very, very interesting. I had about 30 seconds or maybe about a minute or so. But this debate, uh, this conversation on commercial uh, drive, did you hear about this? Somebody deflating the bike tires at a a Moby station. You can dismiss it as someone being a jerk. I get that. But I'm always amazed at the climate change debate and conversation. You can have it at a high level. But we're actually having it at, at, at a very local level, at a street level sometimes, <laughs> this constant debate between cars and bikes uh, or, or all of the motorized um, uh, vehicles, whatever it may be, the climate change debate is actually not occurring at just the, our legislatures or the House of Commons. It's actually occurring neighborhood by neighborhood in many cases. I am stunned by this, and, and we will talk about this again because I know we're running out of time. I was just in Los Angeles, yeah. and it's shocking to me the lack of dedication that city has to any other modes of transportation other than the car. And what we're seeing in commercial drive here with people deflating these shared bikes, these Moby bikes, and then motorists coming back and saying, too bad, so sad, us motorists want our parking spots back. 
is crazy that we're still even engaging in that. We need roadways that support cars, bikes, buses, scooters, mopeds, we need walkers. We need a way for people to get around. And the fact that someone would be so crazy to deflate the tires on bikes and prevent people from going to work is awful. The same as an environmental activist who would deflate someone's car tires from allowing them to go to work to the hospital. Don't do that, stupid people. Let people (laughs) ride their modes of transportation. And if you lose a few parking spots, deal with it. There are other places to find parking. Absolutely. Richard, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jess.